Hi everyone and welcome to my podcast, Is That What You Think? which includes a lot of conversations and also a little coaching thrown in. In each episode, I'll be talking to some amazing people, finding out about what they do, how they do it, what they think and how they navigate life's obstacles. I'm sure we'll find out some interesting things and also if you're in the same career as my guest or you want to get into that industry then hopefully you'll have some useful insights for you too. I'll also throw some coaching questions at my guests to really dig deep into their mind and their innermost thoughts. So if like me you're a bit of a people watcher when you're sat in that coffee shop I know you're going to love this podcast. So let's not waste any more time and let me introduce you to my guest. Please welcome Alex Myers. Hi Alex, how are you? Thank you so much for coming on to my podcast. Hi Suzanne, I'm great, thank you. Yeah, I'm uh, really excited to do this. How are you? Good. Yeah, I'm really, really well, thank you. I am so looking forward to this conversation. I know I have lots of questions for you every time we meet, but now I've got to actually pin you down and ask you all the ones I've been dying to ask you. So strap yourselves in, guys. This is going to be a good one. So first of all, Alex, for everyone listening, can you tell us what you do? Of course, yeah. So uh, I'm Alex. I am a pilot of the Royal Air Force. Uh, I'm currently in training to be a fast jet pilot. Uh, at the moment, um, I am just on hold. Uh, I'm waiting my next phase of training, which uh, awesomely for me uh, is out in Qatar. Uh, that'll be uh, for a long duration. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's me. I've known Suzanne for quite a while now. So you are a pilot in the RAF training to be a fast jet pilot. Notice guys, notice how he was so calm and just saying, oh yeah, that's just what I do. It's like me saying, oh, I'm just a coach. He is actually a pilot. And every time I see him, he is the most chilled out guy. So this is kind of why I've got you on the podcast, Alex, because I really want to delve deep into that brain of yours and just see how you make those transitions from Alex that we know and love to actually that role of, quite frankly, huge responsibility. So to kick us off, what do you think made you decide to go for this job? Yeah, so my, one of my earliest memories uh, was of uh, going to an air show with my dad. Uh, dad's in the Royal Air Force. Um, he's uh, air crew. Um, I was, must have been about four or five. It was once an air show. <laughs> and there's, a, there's this one particular Polaroid picture of me sat in this fast jet cockpit, a tornado cockpit. And spookily, I, 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 I cannot even begin to explain the circumstances, but spookily on the side of that jet was Flight Lieutenant A. Myers. Me being five years old, I could not I could not believe it I was like oh my god that's my plane uh, and ever since that moment I was like you know what I'm gonna make this happen uh, and yeah I've geared up pretty much my entire life uh, to get to this moment I've got goosebumps so it's it's crazy <laughs> that's really quite odd who was this A Myers so uh, <laughs> I've got a feeling uh, this guy, I, I think it's called Andy Myers. It was a fast jet pilot from back in that day. This must have been, what, 2004 or five. Um, so obviously no relation to me whatsoever, but it was just so amazingly coincidental 
uh, I, I, yeah, that picture. I wish I, I, could, I wish I could find it. I don't know where it is, but it's uh, yeah. The, for, I think that that's what, the one pivotal moment where I was like, I'm going to make this happen. And it was nothing that your dad had done to kind of do behind the scenes whilst no. you were kind of getting into the play, and he like changed anything. That was actually there waiting for you. That is so spooky. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> completely, completely legit. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So just talk us through from, from that moment on, what did you do to kind of get to where you are right now? So after being young, there's not a tremendous amount you can do apart from just keep the interest. It was only when I became a teenager uh, that I decided to actually start making major sort of proactive steps towards getting the career. So I was an air cadet. Uh, for five years uh, from 13 uh, that was incredible that, what an experience that was uh, I, I, I can highly 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 recommend that to anybody who's got sort of a young son or daughter go get them into the uh, the cadets even if it's army cadets sea cadets just keep them busy uh, absolutely but I was an air cadet um, and that helped me tremendously uh, get into the sort of the spirit of the uniform uh, the routine, obviously, the regimental side of it. It's all the drill and discipline, which was uh, quite funny. You can imagine with uh, me as a teenager. Um, <laughs> but as I say, I remember like, those days when you used to come in with your uniform on, and you'd be like, "Oh my god, I've got to clean my boots or do this," and you'd like quickly do it and then run out the door again. You'd be like, "Okay." <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. If, if you, I, I wish I could look back on those days and see myself running around like a headless chicken trying to polish these boots and shoes and things. But you know, it, it made a difference. It did. Um, honestly, it did. And yeah, as I say, just the, the key thing that came out of that was I managed to get into some flying as well. Which at the age of uh, I think it was fourteen when I had my first flight as a cadet. At the age of fourteen, going to like um, what 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 they call the Grob Tutor. It's a little two-seat aircraft that could do aerobatics and go up for about half an hour flight have some fun and come back down again and I got loads of it and I just kept going and going and going and going and getting the experience um so that was the one pivotal thing that came out of the air cadets how did you feel about stepping into an aircraft for the first time knowing that you were going to be obviously not flying it but you're going to be flying in it how do, how do you mean was in physically or emotionally just everything everything <laughs> well it's a weird one the novelty is almost wore, wore off at the moment for me because I've, I've done it quite a lot but I, I do remember vividly the first the first time I did uh, one of these air cadet flights uh, went and did some aerobatics and there's all this hype there's all this hype they, they do the briefing they sit you down they say this is what happens if it goes wrong. Make sure you pull the parachute on the way out kind of thing. I'm like, sat there, hold on a minute. Wait, you're talking about getting, jumping out and pulling the parachute. I just want to go up and have a flight. But yeah, but anyway, yeah, you get airborne, you get in the aircraft, you get in the aircraft, you get airborne. And um, the pilots was like, was in this full flow. And I'm just trying to, you know, gauge what the hell's going on. And then it says, right, we're up, we're steady, you have control. And I panic a little bit for the very first time. You panic because it's like, oh, how, how does it feel? What does it actually respond like? Yeah. Um, for for real, because I've flown things on games before, but it's nothing like real life. And like, as soon as he handed hand me control, he I saw him let, let go of the controls, and I held it. I was like, oh my god, I can actually do it. 
it's, this is incredible and you get the feel for it it's like it's like making your own roller coaster it's uh physically they, that's that's how it feels emotionally it's I, I don't even know how to describe it it's you know you're you're up there you're you're flying yourself in a, in a three-dimensional space flying around clouds and all sorts of weather and you, you can do anything you want it's a yeah it's quite an experience I guess it's almost a surreal moment because you've got all this adrenaline flying around, no pun intended, um, <laughs> whizzing around in your body. And yet you've got to be cool, calm, collective because it is your responsibility to kind of follow the rules, be safe, fly correctly. And yet there's part of you that probably has a kind of an almost out of body experience that says, oh, my God, am I really doing this? Is that? how it felt yes absolutely so that this is the, this is the thing that comes with experience at first it's a it's a huge novelty and you've got to deal with all that emotion all of that adrenaline and everything happened at once and to actually become the pilot you've got to learn to harness that uh, so you, you suppress the adrenaline or you use it to your advantage because um, otherwise it just knackers you out and mm-hmm. you, you've become really stressed um, I suppose we could talk about that more, more later on when we come to talk about mindfulness and coaching and, and that sort of thing. But you know, you've got to, yeah, you've, you've got to harness it, and that's all part of the training, um, absolutely. Because I guess when, for the first couple of times that you do it, when you land, you're kind of so hyped up because you've had an adrenaline rush, you've got a bit of stress hormones going through your body because you want to do it right, you want to do it safe. Then when you land, you think, wow, that's another one ticked off. That's another flight done. But then if you're then kind of still buzzing with the excitement of, oh, my God, I've just flown a plane. How do you then kind of calm yourself down from those first few flights that you did way back when? So it was different if it was different being young. uh, Absolutely. Um, They were kind of just joy rides. Um, when you come to do it properly, uh, there's a there's a proper structure. You do your very first brief uh, to get the weather, things like that. Oh, it's 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 this temperature and this this wind uh, at this air base, and if you so happen to divert, yeah, you, you got this wind and this weather. So that you get the wet, the wet brief, then you get your structured pre-flight brief, and that's where you set out what you want to do. Um, and then obviously you go for the flight, and then you come back. You have your debrief having that structure it, it kind of it sets you up nicely peak you get you get the peak of your sort of performance uh, when you come to the flight and then you go come for the debrief you you make you, yeah you come up you come across all these points of sort of this is what's happened this is what you did well this is what you need to improve on um so that nice sort of structured flow uh, with a brief and the debrief uh, everything like that it's that that's how that's kind of how you come down after having a flight definitely so everything's kind of in stages. So it's like almost like a formula. You do the first part, then the next, then the next, then the next. And because you kind of know what's always going to happen next, I suppose that in your brain just helps you kind of smooth out that adrenaline and excitement and the stress to kind of almost formulate a process in your mind that you just follow those steps. You follow the process until the end and then that's it done. So I suppose that helps you calm your mind as to yes. kind of clear out what you don't need to be thinking of right now and just focus on, I guess, what's in front of you. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's important. You, you've got to learn to really sort of discipline yourself into that because if you take if you take it out of work, if you take it back to the mess, back to your bedroom, and you stress about it, you don't get that closure. The adrenaline's constantly high, and you'll you'll just knock yourself out. Um, absolutely. So having that structure helps. So I guess when you were kind of in kind of full swing of all the training, you're surrounded by colleagues who are experiencing the same thing as you. How did you kind of support each other, kind of keep the morale up with each other? Or if somebody was kind of struggling with something, um, it's hard because we only see kind of what you see on kind of documentaries and things like that, but behind kind of closed doors. How are you all kind of navigating your way through this path to to get to this amazing role that you, that you have? So it's it's interesting. I I had um, so uh, from my most recent flying course, um, the, the basic flying training. Uh, my I, my course of six people was incredible. They were the, they were the most incredible people I could have ever gone through that course with, and. Um, so we had the ground school that set us up nicely uh, for the actual flying phase. Um, in terms of helping each other out, <laughs> there's, there's an aspect of emotional intelligence with it in it because the flying environment, the aviation environment, is a naturally stressful and sort of high pressure environment, and people often. Uh, I, I, I did spot this in people. Pe- people, um, they kind of suppressed that sort of that stress and the pressure um and it's yeah you got to employ that emotional intelligence to recognize when people are hiding that um firstly first of all um absolutely um but then when it actually comes to the flying phase it was sitting down before a flight as a group uh we'd go through with the briefs together you know uh go through points from previous flights uh go through the brief for the next flight uh, so it, it was a huge confidence boost sitting through and going go through it that way. And then, obviously, we went for our flights. We all came back. Uh, we wouldn't talk about it until we got back to the mess. Uh, we sat down. We had a drink of anything. It was. It didn't just have to be alcohol. I'll say that we don't. We don't have a drinking culture as people think. But you know, it, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'd, we'd sit down. We'd have. We'd have some form of drink. Um, and we talk, we talk about it. It was, it, yeah, it, we had we had, a, we had a really good course, uh, and that that for me, uh, that really helped. Uh, and I know, I know for a fact, it helped a lot of people with our course as well. And I guess it's a very particular friendship in in a way. You you might have some element of competition with each other, but there's also very much a personal shared experience and like you said there's there's just six of you there's only those few that know exactly what you're you're going through um so i guess there's a lot of things that can go unsaid because it could just take a look from you to somebody else or um some kind of gesture that you do to kind of say you're okay or you did great or don't worry about it it's fine carry on i guess because you're in such a a bubble i guess is that yeah yeah um you're right it's a weird it's a very very weird environment it's very unique in that respect um i 
I set out from the start, I made it very clear that we're not to compete with each other. And I feel like that helped. Um, mm -hmm. e even though I think, as you know, that, that, fly, that flying course, I suppose that's the decider as to where you go. You can go obviously fast jet, you can go multi-engine, which is your cargo um, and your other big stuff, and you can go helicopters. So that's where you get, you, that's what they choose. That's where they choose where you go further down the line. So it, true, it truly, there is a bit of competition because obviously you want the high score and you get, you want to get your selection your of choice. Um, but I set out from the start and I said, I'm not competing because at the end of the day, it's not, it's not for me to choose. We all need to do as best as we can and then let let them choose according to their service need or how they how they what what stream they feel they can go. You know, um, and I feel like I feel like that helped a lot. Uh, that averted a lot of pressure. Uh, truly, that's really good. And and at that kind of age and stage of your your kind of career and your training, it's a really mature thing to do and to recognise that you're more or less competing with yourself to be better than you were last time, but the people around you is better to, to use them and support them rather to, yeah. than add to the pressure that then you're that you're already putting yourself under. So I guess that kind of leads me to my next question of you talk about these streams of you could go to cargo, you could go to helicopter, you could go to fast jet. I guess there's some kind of, not personality test, but kind of some mental aptitude test or some kind of check-in system in place that people around you would look to you and go, okay, well, he fits this criteria. He shows these competencies. We think he'd be best suited to fast jets. And hopefully that matches with what you're aspiring to, to get to. Um, is there any kind of conversation or do they just kind of say, no, that's what you're doing, end of? There, there is, there is conversation. Um, so our, our instructors uh, throughout this course, they were, mo most of them are all ex-sort of, uh, ex-fast ex -fast jet, no, no, they're not, they're not all ex-fast jet, but most of them come from the big pool of streams. Uh, some of them kind of at the end of the sort of tours uh doing a sort of an instructional thing as the last sort of tour some of them are sort of midway through their career and some of them are even civvies um like um that, that's a new, that's a new thing for the air force that they uh, they use civilian instructors so you get a wide a very very wide sort of breadth of knowledge and experience and these are the people that sit down with you the instructors they sit down with you and they basically talk through what would you like to do um and you say for, for example i said I, i'd like to be fast jet that that's that's my aspiration uh and my my instructor my sort of primary instructor as i called it so my mentor he sat down and he said okay so this this is what you need to this is what you need to set out to achieve you need to be sort of fully independent um you need to be you need to show amazing captaincy skills uh, amazing sort of mental reactivity and I was like, oh, oh, Christ. Okay, okay. So this, this is this is the sort of stand, standard we're expecting here, um, which is pretty good. It, it was really good of him to sit down and sort of talk. He's brutally honest. Um, he was an ex ex Harrier ex Harrier pilot in the Navy. Okay. Awesome, awesome, awesome bloke. But he was exactly the right sort of person to sit down with me and say, yeah, this is this is what we expect um, of a fast jet pilot. 
And similarly, those who wanted um, the rotary sort of branch or the, uh, the multi-engine branch, they get the talk about the, the sort of the uh, personal um, what's the word I'm looking for characteristics, Char- personal <laughs> characteristics they're looking for mm-hmm. uh, for those sorts of streams. That's really good, and I think in just thinking about just today's world in general, I think being that kind of black and white, brutally honest about, okay, if this is what you want to do, then this is the hoops you're going to have to jump through. These are the qualifications you need to get. This is the characteristics that you need to display. And we're not going to accept anything other than what's on this piece of paper in front of us. And if you pass, great. If you don't, that's the end of it. And I think sometimes when you've got that clarity and quite a lot of my coaching is about kind of having that clarity, Mm. hopefully means you can strive for things easier because you are very clear on what you need to do, how you need to do it, how you're going to be marked, scored, checked, whatever it is. So in your mind, you're, you're very sure of where you are right now and where you need to to get to and how you need to get there. So what you need to do to get to that bit. So I think it sounds a bit harsh to, for example, somebody who's quite young to go through that and be given kind of that brutal honesty, but looking yeah, at it absolutely. from a kind of a coaching perspective and outside of looking in, that's actually what probably more of us should be doing or more of us should even be saying to ourselves in, right, I need to do this. What do I need to do to get there? So it's, it's a bit yeah. scary for somebody in like teens and twenties to be treated in that way. But I guess because you've, done it for so long you've kind of worked up the ranks to get where you are you're kind of used to that type of conversation and that strictness about it I guess you right you raise a very good point actually um <laughs> I never actually reflected on it that way to be fair but yeah you, you're I've been, I've been I suppose the entire application process is very much like that there's set criteria for every stage but I, I think I could I could honestly say it's probably influenced the way sort of I, I look at my life as it is now. So I I, I think to myself I, I I take that sort of mentality like externally to the air force into normal everyday life uh, in the in the respect that you know I I look at things very objectively, um, which I, I suppose that like summatively this is what it is. It's it's a sort of an objective look on uh, on on life. Um, uh, yeah, you, you got to be really honest with yourself. I, I completely agree with that. So do you think then kind of looking back on, on who you are now to when you were kind of early teens, kind of just embarking on this kind of career um, path, do you think it has shaped you in your personal life in sort of outside the RAF, do you think the training that you've had and the experiences that you've had, do you think that's either changed or altered the way that you think about things or that how you tackle things kind of in day-to-day life? Absolutely. Um, I, I suppose in a weird way, uh, being in the forces isn't, it isn't just, you know, it isn't just a job. It's a, it's a full on lifestyle. Um, and, yeah, I I knew I knew that from the start that that would be the case. Um, with the whole moving about, the so you, you got to have an adaptive lifestyle, absolutely. Um, but you're right. The, this the, the sort of aspects I've taken from my sort of primary role into my 
you know, into, into my normal everyday life, like routines and sort of looking, seeking for that clarity as to, you know, what 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 things actually, what what's involved in everything. Um, uh, I don't know how to explain that really, but it's, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's kind of very very literal, very literal. Yeah. Um, I would I wouldn't say I take the sort of you know the, the regimental aspect of my career into my sort of normal life uh, i'm actually quite relaxed um I, I don't know whether you see that i mean but i feel i feel like i'm quite relaxed as a not as a person outside of work <laughs> yes outside outside um yes you are you are so chilled out so relaxed that's why like at the beginning when i was kind of talking to you about it i feel that i see kind of the real you when we chat and when we get together um, but I think that when I, ju- I imagine that when you are in that cockpit flying, I think you kind of come into your own. I've I've had the great pleasure of being flown by you. Um, yes, I remember that. <laughs> yes. And you, ugh, I don't know why you did it, Alex, but you put my husband in the front with you. And then all three of us turned around to him and said, don't touch anything. Alex is flying let's leave it to him and my husband's face was just like oh my god there's so many buttons and it was just like right just and it was brilliant and it was brilliant we didn't have any problems (laughs) (laughs) no although we did have somebody trying to fly into your airspace and I think you got a little bit specific with air traffic control because I don't think they could kind of move him out the way so I think there was some conversations being being you handled it just perfectly so i felt in very very safe hands um but i think that i get the impression because you are so relaxed and you take everything in your stride in your personal life that that is just a reflection as to what you've gone through what you've learned how you've been trained with within the raf and i again from an outsider looking in i i get the impression rightly or wrongly that it's very controlled it's a very protected environment. Everything is so routine and there are such high standards put on you. How do you kind of motivate yourself that on a day where you're probably not feeling it or you don't kind of don't want to do something or you're not feeling your best? How do you motivate yourself to kind of to show up, to be 100% committed, 100% switched on? How do you kind of motivate yourself to to still have the best day possible? So, uh, stand by for the most sort of cliche sort of answer, um, <laughs> but I, I do I do genuinely have to pinch myself. Um, I've got to, I've got to remind myself that I was once that five year old lad staring up at this fast jet cockpit, thinking I want to do that one day, and. I could not ever forgive myself if one day I just thought, eh, you know what? Oh well, let's just go find something else to do. Well, I don't really fancy doing that today. It's not. It's not how it works. When obviously there's there's the service pressure. It's that regimental attitude, but at the same time, it's that own. It's your own personal respect, isn't it? You you got to respect yourself. I'd, I'd be doing myself an injustice if. I just went. Ah, I don't feel like it today. You know, I, I, it's not 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 what I want to do. It's not can't be bothered. I'd be like, no, no, because 
so not only have I worked pretty much my entire life to get to this point in in, in many ways I've worked around how around the shops just to get to this point where I am today yeah but I know that within a heartbeat if I stepped down there'd be I'd have got 10,000 people trying to get to my position straight in after me and yeah I, I think I, I, yeah in that respect I'm not just doing myself an injustice I'm doing all of those people who maybe you weren't successful i've got a very close friend um i very very close friend who didn't make it for whatever reason um i won't i, I won't really dive into that but for the, yeah. for him for his sake you know i've got to pinch myself and just crack on with it and i've said the same to other people you know when they when they're feeling demotivated oh i can't can't be bothered doing this anymore why why do we bother it's like hold on I, I know ten I know ten thousand people. I know my very good friend who would have that position in a heartbeat. So yeah, you give up and he'll be knocking on the door, he'll be banging down the door to get into yeah. your place. I think that's that's really refreshing to hear. I think it just shows you that you still very much hold dear to you that it is a privilege to be doing what you do. Not only is it a job that you've always wanted since you were little. I remember you playing with Lego, making planes and flying them around the sitting room. Um, but oh you understand that it's a commitment that you've made, not just to yourself, but to family, to friends, to everyone that's supported you, to the, everyone that's trained you, who's kind of invested in you. Um, but also you, you know, the kind of the scope of the role, you know, kind of on a grand scale, what it actually means to be in, in that position. Um, and I think having that kind of reality check is, is really good and it's quite grounding almost. It's it that is really nice to hear because I know that there's some elements of maybe some other forces, I'm, I don't know, where ego becomes a thing and it yeah. may take over and that's not a healthy place to be in. So it sounds like you're very good at just like you say, pinch me moments just to say, no, hang on a minute. Let's just remember why we're doing it. And it's so important to always remember why are you doing something? What are the reasons that you started in the first place? And I think, like you said, that that seems to be the, the driving factor to keep you striving to be the best. Um, but on the days that you might get a little bit stressed or anxious, <laughs> do you kind of use the same techniques to kind of snap out of it or? Is there anything else that you do? Yeah, so big, bigger picture. Yeah, there's the pinch me sort of thing. But so I, I, I think back to uh, sort of the, the minorly, well, the majorly stressful final handling test from my from my course, which obviously I don't know. In hindsight, I don't know why there's so much pressure. It's just another flight where somebody's watching you a little bit more closely. But that for me was like, oh god, I got, I've got to get this right. Got to get the good score. Uh, so hugely uh, stressful uh, and quite a lot of anxiety, uh, and for the first, I don't know why for the first time in uh, my sort of pre-briefing room, um, so I'd done all the preparation for it, drawn the map, I'd done the route study, uh, I'd booked everything out, got the aircraft site sort of, I've got got my got my aircraft signed ready. I was sat down preparing the brief uh, for my instructor, ready to walk in. I think he was coming in at eight o'clock, so I was in there about quarter two, and I started playing music, Jimi Hendrix, 
just to <laughs> just 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 to calm the nerves, just to calm the nerves, uh, and you know, I was, I was just j- jamming along, and I felt I felt amazing. I, I, I you wouldn't you, I, I wouldn't have thought I was had I had a final handing test, and it was all okay until uh, the instructor walked walked in the room. I was like, uh, uh, so, sorry, I'll t- turn it off quickly and say, no, 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 it's fine. I like Jimi Hendrix. So we just sat there, <laughs> sat there until eight o'clock before I said the briefing would start. And I, I played my music up until eight o'clock. And he said, I turned it off and said, right, let's get going. And I felt amazing. Uh, it, really, it really actually worked. <laughs> that's, no, that sounds really good. And I think sometimes if, you, if you've got music or something like that, it's a, it's a good cutoff. It, it makes you focus on that one thing and hopefully just moves everything in your brain just slightly further to the back so that you can just concentrate on the music, kind of get in the zone, do whatever you need to do to then go, okay, this is now what I'm about to do. So no, I don't, I don't see any problem with that at all. I mean, sometimes in between sessions, I'll, I'll listen to something because it's, it's a good way to end one session and then be ready to start another one. So I'm no RAF pilot, but it, I know music is good for me to help yes, move yes. from one thing to another. So that's that's really, really good. Um, so with kind of thinking back to the, the more recent things that you've been doing, that the training and the assessments to get you to this point where very, very soon you're off to Qatar to have this whole new amazing adventure. Did you put kind of too much stress or pressure on yourself? Did you kind of think too much about things or do you think you were able to handle things in a in a good way? I think particularly before the very first flying course, I put a lot of stress and pressure on myself. Um, because prior to prior to starting, uh, obviously I recognise that there was, you know, that it was it was it was a very pivotal moment in my career. It was determining whether I was going, you know, fast jet, rotary, or multi engine. Um, I, I, I hold, hold my hands up. I, before I started that course, I put a lot of pressure on myself, um, and it wasn't until I started and I realised, you know, you know what? Actually, all I've got to do is go and fly, which is what I've always wanted to do, and this is just a step in the journey. So, <laughs> it, 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 it completely alleviated that pressure, um, so I felt a lot better. And so, looking back again. Do you think you make an extra effort to kind of relax, to wind down maybe on days off or after you've done a a particular kind of challenging flight or something? How does that work for you? So uh, I'm sure you know by now, um, we work hard and we play potentially harder (laughs) than forces. (laughs) (laughs) I know you... you, uh, I'm actually glad to invite you to my graduation, uh, my officer's graduation. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure you can remember how hard, uh, how hard we play. You know, once we sort of pass a course as such, um, it's it goes back to the point of we don't we, we don't have a, ma- a massive drinking culture. I say we we have we have the play hard culture definitely. Um, so particularly after the big events, uh, like for example, for my uh, final handling test for FHT, uh, for, for EFT, sorry. Um, I did, yeah, we went to the bar, we had a big celebration. Uh, like, you know, that was the end of course, now on to the next one. Um, so that's that's kind of how, that's how we work collectively. Um, I kind of picked that up 
my role you know working around other people it's been it's been amazing um doing it that way that's how we kind of wind down again it goes into that process doesn't it that step one is you do the training then you do the flights you do this and i know i'm being really really kind of basic with this but you do the training do the flight do the assessment pass the assessment celebrate move on next job do the training do the flight do the assessment and that kind of thing so i and yes i was i mean we were very honoured to be invited uh, by you to your graduation and uh, to everyone that's listening uh, yes he does play very hard indeed however what i did notice was that team spirit was the whenever you saw somebody from your kind of group your unit whatever it might be there was just this bond that was so clear for everyone to see and you could immediately tell who you'd flown with or who you lived with or who you trained with there was just that connection that really shone out to to us kind of outside looking in and that was so lovely to see because it was like yeah you you are gonna do something that let's be honest is a little bit scary for all of us to kind of comprehend but and and i can only talk personally but seeing you on that night and with the those people around you i remember saying to Matt, my husband and obviously to, to your mum and stepdad as well he's going to be absolutely fine he has got the brains he's got the maturity but he's got the support around him he's got those guys around him guys and girls who have got his back and you could really see that you'd got theirs and they'd got yours and i think for whatever reason that's just an ref thing i guess and it was so clear to see i I don't know what what you think to that but from my perspective looking in that's what i could see yeah i think i think go go back to that question how do we wind down i think that's it yeah we we wind down together it's um that that team spirit is probably the most important part um of getting through sort of a career in the air force not not to say it's you know it's an ordeal but <laughs> you know it, it's but having that team spirit is absolutely paramount um i agree and i think it's in the last few years as well i think the world has kind of gone upside down a little bit and i think it's it's put to the forefront of all our minds that having support from those close to us is paramount and i think your testament that i think i've noticed it more in in clients and in personal life as well and and having the the support of others around you can actually make all the difference so now i'm going to pick your brains just a little bit further okay (laughs) what's if you're allowed to answer this i don't know um what's the strangest thing you've ever had to do at work these are the questions that I've been dying to ask you, but I have never had to be, I have the time to ask you. And now I've pinned you down, I can ask you them. Strangest thing. The weirdest, most random. Ooh. Okay. Things so... that we necessarily wouldn't know about, if you're allowed to tell us. <laughs> okay, yeah, so I could, I could have a laugh about this one. This one's not, yeah, it's not nothing secret. So uh, for, for our final handling test, I sort of alluded to earlier, as part of this route, you've got to hit, a target in inverted commas it's just you've got to fly over a point at a given time um 
you got to, obviously that involves you got to get to that point, you got to recognise it, fly over it at the specific point, and then carry on your route. And anyway, um, the big deal with the five-handed test is you get the target three hours before you take off, and at my, for numerous times my flight was scrubbed. So numerous times I had some targets picked. Uh, I got bored one day and I went downstairs to uh, <laughs> what we call the ops desk. So where are all the people who do the scheduling for the flights uh, and sort of the, the aircraft management and finding the crews together. Uh, basically spoke, spoke to this really nice lady and, she, and I said, do you fancy picking me a target? And she goes, well, what what does it what does it involve? What, what, does, what, what does it have to be? And I said, you know pretty much anything within sort of I got out map and said anything within this circle and she said okay right give it give me 15 minutes so I go away and make a coffee it was a pretty poor weather day so I sadly I didn't actually end up doing this this sort of route but anyway I went out made a coffee came back down uh, 15 minutes later and she said right I got you a target and she gave me the coordinates and for, as part of the task, you, you go and you sort of do your little research. And I went on to Google Maps, got the little, um, got the got the little yellow man, as you do, to have a look at it in person on on Google Maps. Mm-hmm. It's a sex shop on the A1. <laughs> <laughs> and I just looked. I, I went back to it. I said, "What I say? Pick a target. <laughs> <laughs> what what do you what do you what do you expect me to do?" And she said, "Oh, I just I just thought it'd be quite funny to." For you to, you know, simulate blowing up a sex shop on the A1. I was like, oh, brilliant. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, you kind of set yourself up for that one. That was I, your own doing. But I did. I did. We had, a, we, had a good, we, had, we had a good laugh about it. That was that was quite funny, that. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it goes back to that always being real, having that sense of humour, team spirit thing. It's like, okay, we're all in it together. Let's just have a little bit of fun whilst we're all here. Thinking back to kind of when you were little or kind of just going into into the roles that you've had, has there anybody that's been kind of inspiring to you that you've looked up to? Anybody that you've tried to almost be like or want to be like? So uh, I've always wanted to be the fast jet sort of pilot. Um, I've always wanted that mentality. I wanted to understand where it comes from, um, and I've I've always loved picture books and history books when I was little. So I I knew I knew obviously about the Second World War, and as I grew up, I think that the collective sort of bunch again it's it's, it's ever so slightly cliche, but um, the the, the Battle of Britain pilots in particular when. As I grew up, and I, I came to understand that there were men um, of my age or younger, 21, 22, flying against a foreign nation in a Second World War. And I was like, oh, my God. Wow. I, 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 I couldn't understand. I could not understand how that was ever a thing. And to go even further than that, obviously, that there's the women who at the same time, alongside the pilots, they went and delivered the, the Spitfires. Obviously, these brand new aircraft that, God, how much how much power they had, thousands of horsepower, and they just jump in them and they just fly from A to B. Um, I think, yeah, collectively, the Battle of Britain pilots, um, 
from the Second World War uh, are, are a huge inspiration. I've read so much into sort of little stories, um, but from, from from sort of individuals throughout the way, and it, it's kind it's kind of acted as a bit of an inspiration to me in the sense of right, okay, so that that's is that is that what I need to sort of achieve? Is that what I need to aspire to? Obviously, the, the slightly differences yeah, with, with the modern day and age, we don't necessarily fight the same as that anymore. But the, it, the point still stands. It's 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 incredible to read into the stories of the stories plural, should I say, of uh, twenty twenty one year olds jumping into a Spitfire, flying off into the night against the Germans, and it's just I just think it's incredible. Um, it's, and again, but, yeah, that goes it's, back to what you were saying before about having the the privilege and the responsibility of the role that you have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, part of being in the forces is you acknowledge the heritage and the tradition. Um, that that for me is my favourite one. Um, sort of acknowledging and recognising uh, the contribution of those pilots, in particular, um, in the Second World War and the impact they had. And fr- quite frankly, where we'd be without them today is terrifying. Uh, so. Yeah, that's that's my inspiration, definitely. That's really lovely to hear. And I think probably there were some people listening who probably thought you were going to say Top Gun or something like that. But for uh, it's, it's not as cli- it's almost as cliche. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think you've given it a much more honest uh, and and to be fair a a more genuine answer. So I I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so. Knowing what you know now, knowing what you've gone through and all like the trials and tribulations of getting to this point that you're at now, what advice would you give your teenage self? So I, I thought I thought a lot about this question. Um, and quite frankly, I just say to myself, stick with it. Trust trust the process, trust the work and stick with it. But whatever you do, don't change your bloody mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, in that in that age, I think I think we were, we were briefly talking about this before you came on air. And at that age, you're very vulnerable to I say vulnerable. You're very open uh, to to influence. Uh, there's you get all these people saying, "Oh, come in this direction, go in that direction." And it's unsurprising that people lose focus and you lose that inspiration and you lose that, that you don't, you have no idea what track you go on. And I'd say to myself at that age, just stick to what you're doing. Just keep doing what you're doing and eventually it'll come right. Just trust it. Absolutely. I love that. Trust the process, kind of follow your, your gut instinct almost and, and know that what you're doing is right. And, like we were saying, like you said before we kind of hit record, I was talking to you about another role that I have of of mentoring kind of 13, 14 and 15 year olds. And so, yeah, so what you've kind of said to me just now, I will definitely take forward with me because some of those conversations, one minute they're saying they want to do X, Y and Z. And then the next week they've listened to somebody or they've seen somebody on social media and they've completely changed their mind, their views, their attitude, their perspective on things. And it's a really tricky world to navigate. So I think advice to teenagers, but obviously us as well, is 
trust the process you're doing it yeah. doing it for a reason so on the flip side then alex what job yeah. do you think you'd be absolutely terrible at what job do i think i'd be terrible at oh i think i'd be terrible in a coffee shop as, as some sort of as a as a waiter or, uh, or as somebody who serves you know serves at the uh, serves at the till, I think I think I'd be terrible because I, I don't have the patience for that. Okay, you don't have the patience for that, but yet you, you have the calmness <laughs> and the patience. It sounds it it, so, it sounds crazy, but yes, I I don't think I could work. I, I think yeah, I say specifically a coffee shop, but retail, retail in general. So what in particular, is it dealing with the public or yes. like multitasking? Yeah. What do you think? I, I, I think it's not odd. It's not the multitasking. I think I could probably handle that, but it's just, it's, it's, I suppose it's the public in a way. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that sort of public facing job. I, I don't think I could do that. Okay. Fair enough. No, I, I kind of get that because obviously I know you as, as a person. So I think, yeah, I can, I can kind of get behind yeah, that yeah as a, on, on a, on a, yeah as i said on a personal level it's the the personal skills required i, I, I suppose i can i could be a i, I could do what i what I, whatever's needed in the cockpit when it comes to actually being a people person sometimes <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think i could do it no that's fair enough so i always ask my guests some really random questions just to really kind of dig a bit deeper into their their mind their mindset their brain just mm. to kind of see how how it's all wired together so i want to know from you alex what three things would you take to a desert island and not one that you just like parachuted into or something i was gonna say if it's gonna be a survival kit i'll be fine but <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's 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 cheating because that's many things. Um, you should be all right in a desert island. You've got survival skills. You've done all the kind of outsidey things. I've done I've done the temperate survival course. I haven't done the desert survival course. It's very different. <laughs> <laughs> three things. Three things. Uh, a hammock. Okay. To sleep in. Yeah, yep, I think com comfort. Yep, comfort, definitely. A mirror. Thinking survival wise, thinking survival wise, a mirror. So, so oh, not checking people... your hair or anything like no, that. No, 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 no. There's no need for that, is there? But to try and get someone's attention, yeah, get, have a mirror. <laughs> uh, what about to kill the boredom? There's got to be something to kill the boredom. I'd say a book, but you can only read a book once, can't you? Well, no, you can read it. You probably have to have a bit of a break from it to kind of forget some of the things that happened before you go back to it, but you could take a book. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, How very practical. You, yeah, you got it. Yeah, that's, I don't know. What, what, what do you take a book? I don't know. It's, you, can, you, can only, <laughs> you, can go, you can only read it the once, can't you? But well, as you can read it, go back to it, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So three things. Yeah, we're going to have those. So that's, that's good. <laughs> So next random question for you. If the RAF and the police and everybody else were never to know, never to find out, you'd never get in trouble, nothing bad would happen to you. If you could steal one thing, what would it be? And why would you steal it? Hmm. 
What about a Spitfire? <laughs> <laughs> one one thing, it's a bit, a bit of an extreme thing, have a Spitfire. Okay. Yeah, why would I have it? Because oh, it's cool, isn't it? Well, you know how to work it, that's for sure. Yeah, I know how to work it. I just need... I need to. I'd probably have to nick Mum's paddock to land it in, or <laughs> something a little bit longer, um, and build something to hide it in. But yeah, I'd, I'd steal a Spitfire. Why not? Okay, fair enough. And what's your most favourite but weirdest sandwich filling? I'll go with a standard American peanut butter and jelly. Some people think it's weird, but I think it's perfectly normal, and it tastes amazing. Sweet and salty. Okay. Any particular bread? Toasted, not toasted, white, brown, whatever? Yeah, it's got to be white bread. got to be white bread. Okay. You've got, you got, you got to go full, sort of, you got to go full, fully unhealthy, haven't you? There's no <laughs> point to go for the brown bread. <laughs> That's another question. When you are kind of regularly flying... Do you have mm. to kind of really keep a check as to not just the exercise that you do, but also kind of what you eat, what, how long you sleep, kind of other things that factor into your day? Do you have to keep a count on that as well? Absolutely, yeah. Um, that was that was. I think that was the one thing I found most difficult, believe it or not, throughout that flight, first flight, major flying course, was getting the eating the sleeping routine correct because particularly when you had like an early morning sortie trying to get yourself you know suitably hydrated suitably fed and obviously get the sleep from the previous night so for example you might have had a, a late finish i think that was it was particularly difficult but yes you're absolutely right yeah you've got to um got to keep a very very close track on food sleep and hydration so no peanut butter and jelly sandwiches the night before a flight. Oh, you could do absolutely Not the <laughs> night night before. You might have a bit, yeah. The sugar rush, sugar rush might wear off. Maybe maybe the fifteen minutes before a flight. Yeah, you could probably do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my, as you know, my coaching is all about helping empower clients to increase their confidence, improve their mindset kind of help them regain control and achieve success and basically feel unstoppable. So my last question for you is what makes you feel unstoppable? So I'll put my storytelling hat on. There we go. Um, what makes me feel unstoppable? I think back to one particular day in my flying course. Uh, it was an early start. I woke up at six. Uh, obviously, went for breakfast. Went to the vet brief. Did the morning sort of uh, did the out, did the out brief for the flight, and I was absolutely knackered. Uh, I must admit, it was hard, about halfway through the course. I was knackered, and uh, I was flying with a primary. who I told you about earlier before. Um, mm -hmm. Amazing, amazing bloke. Really, really, really good. Got on well with him. Um, and similar to me, he was quite knackered because it was an early morning flight. Anyway, I felt like I'd worked so hard towards this flight to get up to this point. It was a particularly strenuous point uh, during the course. Uh, and it was a very, it was one of the longer flights as well, culminating in aerobatics as well. So it was quite, quite tiresome. 
anyway, we got up, we did the main uh, main majority of the sortie, um, and it was kind of late late morning, um, early early in the year, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was early earlier this year, and there was this lovely cloudscape, and we had to just pause just for five minutes and go. Oh my god, this is actually incredible. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I don't I don't know what it was about that particular the moment in that particular flight, but we both just had to take five minutes out. I think we're both knackered by that point as well. But we stopped and we went we we just acknowledged it was amazing. And that memory sticks in my mind as something that made me feel unstoppable is the fact that I'd worked up to like not just I think it was it was a bit of an existential crisis. I might have been having a bit of a, a tired <laughs> day, a down day. But I came back from that flight and I looked back at it and I went, that's, that's why I do it. And that is, that to me is what makes me feel unstoppable making, seeing that result. Absolutely. I loved it. That's amazing. I've got goosebumps again, started with goosebumps, finished with it. That's so lovely and really quite heartwarming, but, and I think it's, you've kind of given us all advice, I think to, to take time to kind of stop and look around us and, appreciate where we are and how we've got to the point which we are now how we've got to the job that we've got or the the place in life that we're at and and how much we've gone through to get to that point so that's just amazing I don't I I can't think of any other word to describe it other than just that is just amazing we we all work so hard we need to take that moment every now and then to just stop and realize absolutely Um, Perfect. And what just a perfect place to end this fantastic conversation. And thank you so much for your time, Alex. I know that you're kind of under pressure to get all things sorted, visas, bags packed, everything, because I know you're going off on this amazing adventure. And I just want to say thank you. And I feel very lucky that I'm privileged to be involved in your world and to to be able to hear your stories and and see what you get up to and um kind of to to get to know kind of firsthand what what you're experiencing so thank you for for inviting me into that world um and thank you for letting me pick your brains and also thank you to everyone who's listened to this episode please follow the show leave a review follow me on social media if you have any subjects or questions that you'd like me to include on a future episode, just email me coaching at suzannebryden.co.uk. And I can't wait for you to join me next time for another wander through the human mind and its thoughts and how we achieve success. Alex, I will probably see you in the skies at some point. I will see all your texts, WhatsApps to me, keeping me posted of your adventures. Um, Thank you so much and I wish you so much luck in your next 12 months, two years in these adventures. Thank you to you and thank you to everyone that's listened. 